Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Research shows that parents are the most influential factor in their kids' money life development. What you model to your kids growing up lays the foundation for how they think and treat money into adulthood. So how do you model good financial decision-making for your kids? How do you even begin to talk with your kids about money? Rebecca Maxey is a director of UChicago Financial Education Initiative at the University of Chicago and leads a team of researchers who helps parents talk to their kids about money. Rebecca and her team have created a unique approach that focuses on the person, behaviors, and values of money versus dollar and cents. Rebecca's research has found that across the nation, financial education varies state by state and school district by school district. This means most parents have to take the lead when it comes to their kids' financial education. Financial education, similar to financial planning, never ends. It evolves continuously. And as parents, we can have a significant influence in setting up our kids for financial success by being open and having money conversations. Please enjoy my conversation with Rebecca Maxey. We're going to really focus tonight on a topic that is at least near to dear in my my heart, because most people know that I have this set of triplets and plus one. So we're going to be talking about how to talk to our kids about money. And Rebecca, you are, I think, in the sweet spot or the heart of this conversation with the work that you're doing at the University of Chicago. And I think for for our audience, I think a good place to start would be to kind of give us a little bit of background um, on you, what you do for the university, how you've gotten involved with this this project, this really unique project that you're working on, and how to talk to kids about money. Sure. So... um... So I work at the University of Chicago. The, um, the center I'm a part of is called UChicago STEM Education. And, uh, and, and then our group is UChicago Financial Education Initiative. Uh, so uh, I'm a for, I am a former, or I guess I could, I, I still say I'm a teacher, uh, taught, you know, the whole range um, from elementary school all the way on up through, um, even dabbled a little bit in, in higher ed. And uh, so found myself at the university, I've been there for about 15 years, uh, writing curriculum around mathematics. And uh, a few years back, um, a hedge fund uh, called, uh, an investment firm called Magnetar Capital came to us uh, with a financial education program. And they had, you know, taken it as far as they could kind of in-house and were looking to expand. And so uh, our group, you know, took a look at that and and, uh, you know, we, we continued on with that program. And in the meantime, we researched, we, we started from the ground up and, and started researching really, you know, what is it that the kids need to learn about finances and how should they learn it? Because, um, you know, that, that piece is pretty important. It's often 
forgotten about. So uh, we spent, you know, several years doing the research, talking to other experts, uh, writing white papers. You know, we did a lot of um, surveying the literature and, uh, you know, ended up uh, writing lots of lessons based on all of this. So we basically, what, what we do at the center is, uh, one of the things we do is we take all this research and we turn it into practice. So how can we, you know, put what's out there and, and, and put it to good use and, and uh, get it in the hands of teachers. And so we wrote uh, lots of lessons, about 65 hours worth, and then we go field test them. And so we field test them across the country, uh, you know, uh, urban, suburban, rural, um, you know, lots of different places just to get, uh, you know, the, a, a broad sense of are these working or not? And then we really dig deep. We look at every single, you know, student response. We observe teachers. We videotape teachers. We really look at everything and, and dissect, um, you know, all this information and then go back and, and revise the material. So um, we really you know, we ended up creating this single semester high school course that's currently out there. And, and you know, what we're trying to do is just, you know, get it in into as many hands as possible across the country. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a very unique program. So, um, yeah, so I direct this project at the center. I have an amazing team, uh, all women, I might add. And, um, yeah. That's we, probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Keep the men out. <laughs> So, um, yeah, they're a really, a really great group. Um, and, uh, just, it, it's been a lot of fun. So, uh, just trying to figure out how we can really, you know, help the space, uh, help move the field forward and, um, you know, provide, give every child access to financial education because it's, it's, uh, most kids don't have it. And, and that's, that was where my next question was going to go because you, you, this program is nationwide. What is like the infrastructure like of the schools? Do they have financial literacy programs intact? Because usually the data that I read or see, you know, kids aren't taught financial literacy and, and we'll get to maybe how you define what financial literacy is. It's not necessarily taught at, you know, the high school level. Um, it's certainly not taught in college unless you, you know, want to, you know, pursue a, um, career in financial planning, maybe. Um, and then sometimes they don't even have those necessarily electives unless you go to a school that has a, you know, financial planning program, like Texas tech university or Georgia, you know, a couple that come to mind, but you know, what, what do you see as far as like nationwide, like, are, are do is there a majority of 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 schools that have something in place, or is it the majority of schools have nothing in place? Yeah, I laugh because we refer to it as the Wild West. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, coming from a STEM center, we're used to seeing you know math or science uh, those spaces, and they're um, very organized. And um, this is a whole other world, and so you have every state is doing something different. Uh, some states really, um, you know, ha have an organized program uh, for financial education, uh, Utah, Virginia, to, na to name a couple, um, you know, and they've really thought about it. They have standards. Uh, they have, some of them have created their own materials. They, some of them have an assessment that kids need to pass, you know, students need to pass before they graduate high school. So, and then you have states that have nothing. Uh, so it's this, you know, it, it, var it, it truly varies where you 
grow up. And that seems to us, um, you know, very unfair. Uh, and that, you know, that some kids are getting this and others are not. So, you know, it's changing um, slowly. We're see- we are seeing more states start to add, um, you know, standards and then starting to add a requirement. Um, what you often see for a requirement, though, it gets a little tricky. So, you know, our goal is that it's, it's a requirement for every single student. Sometimes what you'll see is it can be offered as an elective. They'll offer it, but it's not required. So you can take it as an elective. What we tend to see happening uh, is that um, a lot of boys will take the class, not as many girls, uh, which, you know, poses a problem. So, you know, it, it, it's, it isn't every, not everyone's going to take it it's, if it's an elective. And so the idea is, you know, off, make it a requirement for every single student. Uh, and, and then they're leaving high school with the fundamentals. So it really shouldn't matter where, where you know, where you live. It, it should just be something that, that you have access to. So going down, like even like a, another level, like micro level, I, sure. I don't know if that's the right word, but urban versus suburban do you nationwide, obviously you noted it, it's the wild west, like every state's different. (laughs) Is there any more clarity between uh, like an urban area, like Chicago, Detroit versus like a rural area where, where I grew up, I grew up in kind of like South central Michigan and none of that existed. (laughs) Sure. No, it, it does. And that's, yeah, you're exactly right. You start to drill down even more and it's, it's still all over the place. So, you know, in, in Chicago, there's a, they, they off, um, they do offer it. It's, you know, it's a unit of study, which to you could mean something different than it does to me. Uh, Downstate in Illinois, we have some, some schools, uh, everyone in Illinois is required to teach consumer education, which is a little different than financial education. But um, so, so, you know, students do receive it, but they were, you know, it's a little different. Um, So we do see it's kind of all over the place. Um, Some places, you know, in the district, they'll offer, you know, sort of like a six hour course that's online, not not taught by a teacher. And that counts that that satisfies a requirement. So it really depends, you know, again, the state, the district, um, you know, even even with even the school. So um, it, 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 it needs a little uniformity. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think it, the schools get uniformity out of it? Is, it? is it a state by state or is there somebody at the federal level even that can help? You know, I know states don't like to be t- told what yeah. to do, but is there anybody that you know of that's working on this on a, on a federal level? Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely are. I think people are more um, doubtful that a federal mandate would ever happen or, or if it did, that people, that states would follow it. There would be a lot of pushback. I think um, it tend, the, the, I would say the general sentiment is that it's going to happen state by state. Um, but again, it, it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. So um, it, I think the more pressure that states feel uh, I mean, you know, look at look at what we're going through right now, right now. And, and if states aren't seeing the fact that and, and I'm not going to argue that financial education could have can solve anybody's financial problems right now, but it does give people a foundation. Um, and, and I think, you know, if, if people aren't seeing that there's a need for this right now, um, 
I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> yeah, if they don't see the need now, when when will they ever see the need? Right. So right. let's let's actually go back to um, help us define what financial education means, and then you you actually said consumer education. So talk to us about what I guess how you define or how your team defines financial education, and then what does consumer education mean? <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that one, but <laughs> uh, I throw so out the finan- big questions to you, Rebecca. <laughs> You're the expert. <laughs> so, you know, financial education I, to us or to me would be, you know, what we really focus on is that it's the knowledge, the skills, the behaviors, the attitudes, you know, all having to do with, with personal finance. You know, it, it's um, thinking about earning, thinking about borrowing, thinking about you know, saving and spending, uh, you know, all those pieces, insurance, but, but along with that, you need to think about what are your attitudes, you know, the behaviors that you, that, that, that you learn and that you um, sort of uh, exhibit. So I think it's for us, it's a bigger story. Often what we've seen, you know, traditionally what we see is it's strictly, content. It's all, you know, you need to learn about uh, banks. That's what you, you know, you need to learn about how insurance works, but it's so much more than that. Uh, and, and so we really focus on it. It's, it's a much um, uh, bigger picture and it involves, you know, attitudes and behaviors and decision-making. Uh, so consumer ed, um, a little different. You, you see a lot of um, practical pieces there, things like uh, how do I buy a car? That's a one requirement in consumer education. Um, you know, looking at um, uh, how to avoid, you know, um, like fraudulent schemes. How uh, it, it's a much more practical approach. Um, some places include, you know, financial literacy or financial education as part of consumer education, um, but it, it's a different. Uh, you know, I, and I'm sure some teachers do use a, a, a more broad apo- approach, but it is, it tends to be more, a bit more practical. So I, that actually leads into where I wanted to go next directionally with really diving into the details of, of your approach, I think, which is really unique in that it focuses on the person and the values versus only money. So mm-hmm. talk, a, talk a little bit about the process itself um, that you've developed with your team that you roll out as far as this financial education goes, where it, it's it's a lot of t- behavioral talk and not just you know dollars and cents, if if you will. Yeah. So uh, when we were doing the research, the one thing that really stood out, or and I and I guess a question that we really had to ask ourselves was: there are a lot of people out there that say financial education doesn't work, and so we couldn't start this work without really looking at that question. And, and uh, so we spent a lot of time really analyzing that and looking at the research and um, it does work by the way, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Cause I'm a firm believer that it does. As well. And it doesn't matter if you're a 16 year old or 36 or 46 or 66. Exactly. And it never ends. You know, that's the thing about yeah. education. It's, oh, you know, you can always learn. Um, and so, so, you know, one of the things that was really interesting was that people bring uh, a lot to the table, essentially. So they bring uh, 
per, you know, their experiences, they bring their own behaviors, they bring their own attitudes. So they're kind of bringing in this, they're, they're sort of, I don't want to use baggage because it kind of has a neg- sometimes has a negative connotation, but they are bringing their own stuff to the table. And so you have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge that, you know, they have experiences, whether, you know, good or bad, they're coming in with that. And so there, there, and there is a place for financial education. Like there is a place that they can, you know, students can learn or people can learn things. Um, You know, they, they can make changes, uh, especially around decision-making. And so what was really interesting to us was what they bring in, what do they come with? And so when you really start looking at that, that's when you get into, you know, they bring in their values, Uh, you know, what's their value system. They, uh, another piece is, is influencers. Who influences your decisions is like, plays a huge role in, you know, things like how you spend your money. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, we could, we could talk about that one for a long time. Um, Your, uh, your economic environment for us was a a big one. So, you know, who you are, uh, you know, sometimes you're limited by your environment and a lot of, um, products or programs don't talk about that. And it seems really strange to us that, you know, how can you not talk about that? There are um, things out there that put uh, are, are like barriers for some individuals. You, you have to put this out there. And so, um, you know, looking at people's risk disposition, like how do you feel about risk? Like I'm a pretty risk averse person. And so that has a huge impact on, you know, how I'm going to, you know, control my finances. So, um, so we really, those really popped out to us and it seemed like we can't have a program where you don't address these at all. Uh, you know, and so what we did when we created the program was really brought those to the forefront, you know, so for, especially for teenagers, what teenager doesn't love to talk about themselves? Like, you know, I mean, they, that's just the age group. And so, and they love, you know, money's fascinating to them. And so we start our course off really digging into that, you know, digging into, you know, what are your attitudes around money? What are your attitudes around saving? You know, who influences your decisions? They build a huge influencer map. You know, what's your risk disposition? And, you know, give them, ask them some questions so they can kind of determine that. Uh, What's your economic environment like? You know, what what, what barriers are are in your, in the way? and, and so on. And so, and then we teach them a decision-making process that is then used throughout the course. So these are, these threads are woven throughout. So then we start to teach the traditional content. You know, we're talking about, we'll start to talk about saving and spending. We talk about, you know, banks and, and sort of the, 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 the traditional topics, but we're always coming back. Right. So we're always saying, you know, Hey, uh, who influences those spending decisions? Like here's some spending tools, but who influences your spending decisions? So it's always coming back to the personal. It's always coming back to the individual and they're reflecting on, on that information and how it uh, really applies to their own life. Um, and, and it, it makes it, it's more engaging for, for, for anyone, for teenagers in particular. So um, yeah, so that, that's how that became a, a core part of the, the of FinEdge, the high school program. So it sounds like how you guys built this from a foundational level is more on the behavioral side and then you intertwine the lack of lack of a better term like the tacticals like the how to handle money how to save those 
those things. Cause I know with, with research that I've read and, you know, conversations that I have with, with people about money is trying to gather what their earliest memories are. Um, you know, a, a good example is people that grew up in the depression, you know, it's historically very risk adverse. So going back to what you were talking about, the environment that you grew up in has a strong correlation to how you think, feel, and act when it comes to money um, as you get older. Absolutely. I mean, it's very emotional. I, if you think about um, even talking about it, like when, when you bring it up, um, I mean, even for me, when I started working on this, I mean, it, it's, you, you, sometimes you start to, like, you know, people get anxious, right? You, you're like, um, it, it's, uh, it brings up all these different emotions or feelings or memories or, um, you know, experiences. And so it, it, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, and to, to start to talk about that in a classroom where kids have you know, this a wide variety of experiences, some really positive and some net, you know, some are experiencing negative things and how, um, how people interact at home about it, how people talk about it has, it plays a huge role in, in, you know, their approach to money. Thus the term, the emotional balance sheet. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you, you hit that right on the head, Rebecca. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. perfect. <laughs> so, because I, I think it's, it's taboo to talk about money with adults. Like even when people pick up the phone and finally call me, and it's usually because of some life transitions. And I, I tell people, or I communicate with people constantly, you have way more life transitions than you think, than you think you do. And whether it's getting married, losing a job, you know, losing a loved one, um, you know, all those different experiences happen way often than, than the most, than most people think about. Right. And they're usually, they're not necessarily all that predictable. Right. And so people really struggle with these, with these life transitions and then how to, how to deal with, with money. Like I think of like a newly formed couple or partnership. It's, it's, you know, that whole saver versus spender. Like when I have a come in contact with a family that's, you know, you have one or the other, it's a very, very difficult bridge to gap. Um, so talking about money among adults is taboo. How do you get over that tabooism, if you will, with kids? Yeah, no. It, um, so one of the things that, that we do is the very first uh, lesson in the program is we essentially set norms. And, you know, we really, because you're, you, you know, kids are going to bring up, might bring up some pretty personal things. And so we really uh, have the teacher set the stage uh, and, and really, you know, talk about this. It has to be a place where kids feel comfortable sharing things um, and, you know, sort of establishing this trust within the classroom is really key and, you know, otherwise kids aren't going to, you know, want to share things and whatnot. We also do, um, we send home, you know, letters to parents or guardians or, or trusted adults and say, you know, this is the class and here's, you know, here's what's going to be happening. Uh, and guess what? There's homework. <laughs> and a quarter of the homework assignments in the program are going to involve talking to an adult. 
and and so we kind of give people a heads up and and uh, you know really just try and set the stage so it, it'll be you know it, it'll be success, successful. So what is what is some of the homework that a parent um, because that's a large portion of of the audience. How do parents, what are some of the tactics or homework assignments, if you will, that parents can do today in talking with their kids about money, um, regardless if they have access to a program like they, that you've, you and your team have developed at yeah. Chicago? Sure. So, I mean, I think, first of all, our, the, the, you know, parents probably <laughs> might get a little nervous when they hear that, but, you know, you can have a conversation about money and not talk about, not use numbers, you know, not, not discuss. I think when people get really nervous, like um, it's almost like you're going to say, what's your salary? What's your hourly wage? And then you yeah. know, <laughs> it's like divulging, you know, divulging what's in the vault. So, um, you know, you can have these conversations and they, you know, so just to give you an example, like one of the conversations, one of the homework assignments is, you know, have you ever had, um, a bad credit experience, like with a credit card or some, you know, something like that alone. Um, and to really, you, you don't have to tell how much it was, how long ago it was, but it's just that, just to get that conversation started and to understand, you know, maybe an experience that, you know, a parent or a guardian has had. And so, you know, one way parents, uh, you know, first of all, is just thinking of it that it doesn't have to be, you don't have to share numbers. Think that that's just the first the first thing to consider, and the second thing is, I, you know, a lot of I bet this is happening. I bet, I bet parents are having conversations, and they almost don't even know that that they're having these conversations. But um, you also do it a lot in your head. Like I have conversation, and you know, we all have conversations all the time in our head. We're making money decisions, right? And we right. talk to you know, we talk to ourselves, <laughs> and it's important, which is very natural, by the way. <laughs> I don't, I'm a big believer uh, is to start to have these conversations out loud. Like, it, you know, it, it, it uh, kind of brings back the elementary school part where, you know, you do a think aloud where you're really talking out loud and, you know, it doesn't mean you have to sit your child down and say, let me tell you what I'm thinking. Uh, Cause that's not interesting to them. It's just you thinking out loud. They're listening. They're listening all the time. Right. We don't think they're listening, but they oh, are. They are. <laughs> you know, you get a bill in the mail and you say, you know, huh, why is our, why, why is our electricity bill $20 higher this month than it was last month? Or why is this, you know, and, and you, they're, they are picking up on that and you're having a money conversation with yourself, but you're having that conversation. And, you know, over time they will occasionally engage with you. Uh, so I think first is really starting to do that, you know, out loud. Um, I think there's, you know, there are a lot of games you can play, um, you know, with kids, you know, everything from you know, the basic Monopoly, right? I was going to say Monopoly still work. <laughs> Monopoly. Yeah, sure. You know, and there, there are games that help a lot um, with basic numeracy, you know, just feeling comfortable with numbers can be really helpful for people. It's a, a that was the, the one thing that we really learned was that you know, we thought, oh, there'll be a ton of math in this. We're going to put a lot of math in here. And no, no. <laughs> but it is important for people to be, you know, comfortable with numbers to, to understand, you know, 
the, the magnitude uh, of numbers to, to be comfortable just, you know, adding and subtracting. So there are games, you know, you can do shoots and ladders, you can play. When we were kids, we used to call it, you know, war where you compare two cards and, um, and things like that. So there, I think there are plenty of games. Um, Let me interject one second yes. because it, this thought just popped in my head. It, we're, we're talking about games, Roblox, <laughs> is just when you say games, I'm like, bam, because my kids are always asking me about, hey, I need some more Roblox oh. <laughs> dollars and this. And I'm like, what is this? And I've been getting more involved in that and trying to understand what this is because Roblox, the company, is supposed to be going, coming public, you know, fairly soon. <laughs> and that's going to be, you talk about IPOs, hot IPOs, that's going to be a big one. And so, have you guys had any experience with like a video game such as Roblox that that potentially helps kids understand, you know, dollars and what it, what you can get with it, value, how far it goes, things of that nature? That's a good question. I have not looked into that one. I mean, you know, there's always life, you know, life in the digital version, right? There's that yeah. game. Um, but we have, you know, we haven't done. We're busy creating our own. <laughs> digital games uh they're you know for high school students but i i don't know that one yet i i i've got a i have a kid who plays who plays roblox but <laughs> i haven't dissected it yet i'll i'll get back to you all right but well, when you get that game uh when you and your team get that game finalized let me know i'd, I'd love to be a, a beta tester <laughs> i've got four that be chomping at the bit probably because that's the thing is if you can make something especially with kids if you can make it interactive and they're in their learning without realizing they're learning mm -hmm. that's like a home run and that's top of mind right now because just before we started hitting the record button i just finished parent teacher conferences with with my uh with my my triplets teacher and so that's one thing that we we're talking about um more on the side of reading but how to get them to be engaged and you know, this, this is actually how you and I got introduced to each other was through our good friend, Brian Portnoy. And what he's working on is just that and trying to build some interactive tools that get people engaged and, you know, helping them decide, you know, what, what, you know, lifestyle priorities and financial, you know, ambitions or aspirations they want and how that ties into, you know, dollars and cents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, and I think the the um, one thing that that we learned in our the games research is really, you know, we ended up settling on what we call non-realistic, um, you know, games. So more, uh, I it wouldn't go full fantasy, but that idea of um, that that sort of genre, and because I, you know, I think sometimes the games, um, I mean, there's value in them, but sometimes they're too realistic you know, and especially around finances. And so, you know, we went with a different, a different, um, you know, type of game to really get at uh, the content from it, it's, it's, it's very fun. Um, but, you know, you know, for example, like one of our games is on um, on insurance and it's about, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. It's about a squirrel, um, and, you know, collecting a bunch of nuts and <laughs> there are raids and you need to protect, you know, your acorns. Right. And so, um, you know, it's just, it, it we've, we've got a, an earning game, um, 
with dogs who are um, out, you know, uh, 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 they're working like a dog and they're applying for different jobs. And so it's just this idea of coming at it from a completely different angle, uh, making it fun and engaging, but you're learning the content, but through a, to you know, through a totally, in a totally different way. So um, really fun and interactive. So. <laughs> you know, going, going back to what we were just talking about, as far as like having these conversations out loud with our kids. I, I think of a prime example that just literally happened to us, you know, a week and a half ago is our, our kids have midwinter break here in a couple weeks. And we decided, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to get out of here. <laughs> and so we're, we're heading to Florida. And usually we, if on a trip like that, we would normally drive or fly, but with COVID, we're kind of like, well, do we really want to get on a plane? And so, you know, I figured it all out cost-wise. And yeah, to drive, it's going to be much cheaper. You know, we'll have our own, you know, van, more comfortable that way while we're down there. And what was interesting is our youngest, our plus one, who's eight years old, was having a conversation with me at the bus stop, which kind of got a little comfortable because she's like, Dad, why are we so poor that we can't fly to Florida? Why do we have to drive? And I'm just like, um, uh, I'm like what, what am I? Do? I'm a professional. I'm supposed to be able to answer this. And, and so I'm trying to rationalize it with her. I'm like, well, there's different factors that went into you know, that decision. And we're not necessarily poor. But, you know, we have to make financial decisions and, and, you know, we're going to Florida and driving allows us to, you know, go to Disney World for one more day. And right. sometimes I think I struggle with, you know, I, they're, they're kids, but I have a problem when I try to talk to them like they're adults. Right. <laughs> But I think that's a great, you know, it was a great opportunity, right? For if you never had that conversation, what that thinking would have been like the, the takeaway, you know, it would have always been like, we're poor, right? Like, but having that conversation was like, no, 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 there's more that goes into this decision. Like, I think that and that's what you get from having that discussion, like, you know, are they going to take away everything from that conversation? Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but over time, right? It's uh um, you know, it, it, it adds up. I mean, I think you get, you get a lot, you, you get a lot of insight, you know, as to what's really going on, um, you know, in their brains and what they're thinking about. And they also get insight into what you're thinking and your decision-making. And I think that's, that's where the power really lies is, you know, that, that you're better understanding where they're coming from and they're really getting insight into how you make your decisions. So, yeah, I've often wondered if um, I if I'm scarring them um, <laughs> for life with their father being a you know wealth wealth advisor and professional in the financial financial service industry because I get that like Madison my my oldest she's the girl triplet she can she could give you a fair amount of information on what a four hundred one k is so on one hand that makes me very proud on the other hand you know, she may she may know more about four hundred one ks than some some adults. <laughs> <laughs> I I have this uh yeah I have this debate with myself all the time have I have I scarred my children from <laughs> you know running these things by them and testing them and uh and really um you know peppering them with all kinds of questions and and having lots of conversations they may not be ready for <laughs> Yeah because it does it definitely goes back to the whole conversation piece that we were just talking about and the research about how 
you know, money, thoughts, habits, ideas are being formed in their minds right now and how that will carry forward for them for potentially, you know, the rest of their lives. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not an exaggeration. It's like people pay good money to go see a therapist on some of these issues. No, for sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, even just thinking about, I mean, you know, in my family, you didn't, you just didn't talk about it when we were, and and if you asked anything, not even like, you know, it wasn't like a, what's your salary? It was like, oh, you don't, you know, you don't do, you don't talk about that. And so it just wasn't, um, so, you know, you carry that with you, right. It's sort of like this, you know, we don't go there. So it's, it is, it's a, um, it's a process to overcome that and really get comfortable, you know, digging in. So, you talked about, you know, as far as like conversation starters, you know, one, you know, you don't have to talk specifically about numbers. And then obviously two, as we kind of talk through this is having these conversations out loud. Um, in your, I know your, the program is really geared towards high school students, but for those of us with younger uh, kids, maybe that they're in, um, you know, middle school or my that are like in grade school, mm-hmm. any suggestions or, or strategies, tactics on, you know, having these, how to have these conversations or conversation starters with, with kids at a younger age? Yeah. So, well, out of, out of um, the, the field test, we, we got a lot of feedback, first of all, from, from parents. So we were really nervous about putting in the homework. Uh, we knew it was the right thing to do. Uh, but we were nervous to see, to, you know, find out how this was going to go over. Uh, it was probably the, one of the most positive things to come out of the field test was that parents were seek, you know, seeking out the teacher and saying, I'm having conversations with the kids, with my kids, you know, we haven't had a meaningful conversation in months. Uh, you know, we're talking, we're having, you know, really powerful, powerful conversations. So, um, after we finished the program, it was something we circled back to and, and really started to think more about is that, you know, parents are the most influential factor in, in, you know, in kids learning about money. And so we've, you know, you know, while, while not every parent may be ready to really fully financially educate their kids, you know, so we want to stick with offering it in high school. We definitely think there are ways that we can help uh, you know, parents start to have these conversations and it, and so, and it isn't, um, we're, we're not trying to get at like what to say, but just how to say, you know, just to have that conversation, just to, to, to get over that hurdle. And so we created a series of conversation cards. Uh, we call them talking sense and, you know, we, we created a whole set of them and we put them out there. Uh, we made it in uh, during the first, uh, what do we call it? Shelter in place. Is that what, is that what we called it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lockdown. Uh, so we were able to ship them all out uh, right before and had this sort of captive audience to field test these cards. Um, and we didn't, it wasn't just families. It was, you know, there were some friends doing it. Uh, it you know, it wasn't just parents with kids. We also had grandparents um, and, and, you know, involved kind of intergenerational, uh, conversations happening. And so it was just an, I, just a way to, you know, get people 
going, you know, and the conversations, the, the, the starters, the prompts are really get at all kinds of things, you know, things again, like values, attitudes, um, uh, you know, um, talking about, and then content too, right? So it's kind of, it, it kind of uh, runs, runs the gamut. But uh, again, really positive feedback, like parents saying, I, I wouldn't have done this on my own you know, it, this helped me get going, just having that prompt. And also, you know, how much I learned about the way my kids think about money. You know, I like we had, a, you know, one parent say, I never knew, you know, my daughter didn't think you should save until you're much older later in life. Like, if she carried that with her forever, what would have happened, you know, and so um, really able to open up and, and have, um, you know, so, some powerful dialogue going. So, uh, so I think, the, the prompts are one way that we're trying to help people, you know, to, to help people get going. Uh, so I think, you know, that that's an, another place. Um, Where can, so if parents, again, if they're not involved in, in a program like yours, where can they go to get prompts like that? Where can they go to, to help? Because if, if, if they're, if there's not a program in place, unless they're getting the information from somewhere else or somebody like a wealth advisor like me, which is right. part of what the experience that I'm trying to deliver for my, my families, because a lot of them do have younger kids and I do want them to have, start having conversations about it. Um, I know a few of my clients have brought me in to talk to their middle schoolers and high schoolers. And, you know, once they reach college and like, I'm starting, you know, well planning one-on-one for them. But for those parents that do want to get started, Rebecca, where where can they go to find these resources? Sure. So, so our card, so the Talking Sense cards are available on um, our site. So it's uh, financialeducation.uchicago.edu, and um, we're in there under uh, our solutions. <laughs> Think about that, and um, they can go there for them. Um, I think you know there there are other resources out there, and I, I think there are other ways. I don't I don't want to you know, make it seem like the prompts are the only way. Um, I think you can take things on a daily basis. I think, you know, you, you look at what's happening in the news. I know, you know, for, uh, for, for us today, it was, uh, you know, the GameStop saga and when you've got, yeah. Right. Like a 13 year old and a 16 year old saying, I thought GameStop, you know, was going away. They closed the stores around here. And, and so, you know, I think there are, and there are ways, and you can learn together. I think there are ways that, that um, you can use the news uh, and use, you know, current events to, to sort of prompt or have that conversation. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot out there that, that you can use um, to really start this. Uh, but I, and, I, and I, it just made me think of, the, I think the one thing that's really important is the ability to say, that you don't know. So when you, when those conversations start happening, um, you know, and, 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 you know, your child asks you something that you're not entirely sure of, it's like, it's really, you need to be comfortable saying, I don't know, let's look it up together. Uh, you know, and, and finding that answer together is it, it shows them so much. It shows them how to research, you know, how to find the right source, you can talk it through together. So it can be, it can be really powerful. So I, I know I, I don't have you for a finite amount of time. <laughs> so if, if we kind of 
we've kind of gotten into the details and let's, let's kind of zoom back out one last time. So, you know, the whole premise of our conversation has been centered around how, how can we talk to our kids about money? And from the experience that you've had in building this program, what, what would be like maybe one or two like key takeaways, I guess, for parents to be able to start having that, that conversation, you know, with their kids on their own? Um, just start, <laughs> honestly, just start, uh, you know, say what you're saying in your head out loud. Um, whether, you know, whether you're struggling with something, I really think, you know, we all have to start somewhere. It may not be pretty, but you know, it, it, it just start and they're listening. Um, I think, you know, finding things in your everyday life, finding, you know, um, it doesn't always, and it doesn't, again, like I think another real, you know, besides just sort of starting is it doesn't always have to be specifically about money. It can be about things that you value or you as a family value or, you know, your attitudes towards something or, um, you know, a barrier that, that you're, you know, you're experiencing. It just, it's a, it's really important for them to hear that side as well, because, you know, look, it's, you know, money's a part of every decision we make. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're not talking about it. It indirectly is there. So um, I think, I think that's another piece. Um, and, and, you know, again, just being afraid, you know, not being afraid to say, you know, I don't know, let's find it. Let's, let's investigate and, and find that answer together. I think, you know, that that's, I guess those would be my, my big three. I know what you're probably familiar with Ron Lieber's work. Um, he wrote a great book, the opposite of spoiled, um, which, I'll link to in the show notes as well, but I think he, he takes a very similar approach that I think you guys have taken where it's, you know, I know that book is really focused on, um, the values and behaviors. Yeah. There's some specifics when it comes to like, you know, having those three jars, you know, you know, this is for saving, this is for spending now, and this is for, you know, charity, if you will. And so that's, that's the one thing I've probably read two or three different books on this topic. And they're all different. There's no yeah. <laughs> right answer. And I think it comes back to the right answer that you gave, which is just starting, just starting to have the conversation. And like, you know, when Mackenzie came up to me and said, are, are we poor because we can't fly to, to, to Florida that not to shy away from that in, yeah. in, yes, it's, it could be uncomfortable, especially if there's other adults around you're like, uh, but I think that that's an, that's an opportunity that, you know, you sh- people should take advantage of. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, my, uh, our 13 year old said, asked us the other day, how much, how much do I cost you a day? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was like, and it was a great conversation. I mean, it was, way, there were way more numbers flying out than I ever wanted to share, but it was a really good conversation about, you know, this is what we spend on groceries a, a week and, you know, there are four people. And, and so it's a, it's a really, um, yeah. I mean, you can, you can shy away from some stuff by steering it in a different direction. <laughs> I think parents are, are pretty um, talented that way. I mean, I think, 
you know, there, there's tons of, you know, there's all this research, right? That parents are more comfortable talking with kids about sex and drugs than they are about money. And, you know, I think we really got to, we got to flip that, you know, we got to, or, or, or just at least make it, make it uh, so that it's more comfortable, but um, yeah, just, just getting going is, is, is the best thing. Well, my closing question for everyone is what is the best and, and knowing that you have a couple kids, what is the best thing about being a parent? Oh, gosh, there's so many great things. <laughs> um, you know, I think just, I think watching your, I mean, f- for me, it's watching my kids really, you know, develop and grow into these really thoughtful, caring little people, you know, it's just, um, and, and become, you know, their own person over time and hope that I don't scar them that much with, <laughs> with money talk. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I that's why I, I think I'm going with that. <laughs> right. well, I, you know, I, I've been asking that question of, of my guests as a closing question for a long time. And the really neat thing about it is that there's just a diversity of answers and I love everybody's answers because they are all different. Um, and I cannot thank you enough, Rebecca, for being on the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast. I, there's, there's a lot of good resources that we'll link to um, from your work at the University of Chicago. But I think this is definitely a, a topic on how to talk to your kids that we want to move you know, forward into the forefront, if you will, of, of, of conversations and into schools if we can, but definitely having those conversations at home. So I look forward to continuing to following your work and, and hopefully being a part of that journey. Thanks so much for, for having, having me on and I uh, appreciate it. And best of luck to everyone. Just start talking. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.